Welcome to another episode of Behind the U. And Manny Diaz is joining us, the head coach of the University of Miami. And we'll go behind the U relative to recruiting and we'll pull the hood up on the engine. Manny Diaz, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me, Josh. It's pretty cool. These three words, as it relates to your recruiting class, they love Miami. What does that mean to you? What does that mean to them? Why was that so important? Well, obviously, to accomplish any type of goal, you have to find like-minded people. And I, and I think Miami is a unique place. Uh, I, I think the pride of this community, I think the more you, you tie people together who, who feel that sense of pride and feel that sense of what it means to be a Miami Hurricane, if you have to explain that to somebody, you can do that, but that's probably not quite the person you want in your program. And, and it doesn't mean you have to be from South Florida. DJ Dallas understood what it meant to be a Miami Hurricane. That had great immense value to him. But certainly getting a class of guys, so many from Dade County, Broward County, where we really want to base our operations that um, you know want to be a part of Miami getting back to college football relevance and getting back in playoff discussion and championship discussion. Stacking that on top of a class a year ago that really did the same thing. Uh, you've got You've got about... 40 guys who signed on to Miami before we had ever played a snap this year, the 20 class really who signed on a year ago. And then, and then this class who most of them were committed uh, before September. So seeing those guys and how much this program means to you, all of a sudden it, it happens like that. And in, in, in college football programs, bang, that's 40 guys on a roster. That's half your roster of guys that are, that have joined our football team since last December or will incorporate into our program in 2021. So fun to have those guys around and getting a bunch of like-minded people with the same goal in mind. So even though you know guys have said they're coming, is there still that moment of of just instantaneous jubilation when it's official? There's always a celebration when it becomes officially official because you just, you know, you've been around this thing long enough, you don't ever know. But what's great again about this class, I mean, obviously, you know, five days before signing day, we had a a bad day at the office, to say the least. And, And because of this community's, I call it PTSD, you know, I mean, I, I think the third question in the, the third question in the press conference is, oh, what about all the recruits? Because this is how it always goes, right? Miami loses the game and, oh, you know, like, and the negativity, you know, parade, you know, goes after all right. the recruits and everybody calls recruits like, you still want to go to, and, and, and as a staff, we checked on every guy uh, within an hour of, of the final whistle of that game. And, and all those kids were like, coach we're good. Like we're coming, we're coming to get this thing right. And so that, that was a good feeling, but there's still nothing like getting that, uh, that final document in on Wednesday. We know how recruiting works, right? You know, winning is the ultimate cherry. Take me inside of how you were able to connect with these recruits and families over two recruiting classes where that didn't matter, right? The vision of what you Manny Diaz head coach at the university of Miami, the vision you had for this program, why that was paramount versus six wins. Well, there's a little bit of a chicken and the egg deal here, right? Obviously, winning matters for recruiting. You're seeing that with the programs at the top, able to sort of self-sustain themselves through recruiting. But if you have to win at that level to get the recruits at that level, it'll it'll never happen. You'll never get there because you would say where where you are will always dictate where you will be. And the one thing we know about college football is all empires fall. Gravity always wins, no matter how unbeatable somebody looks. We saw it in this program. You've seen it at Florida State. You've seen it at Nebraska, you know, everywhere. I mean, where you have a program that looks infallible, like, I mean, they'll be on top of the mountain forever. It, it, it never lasts. So there's always a way up. And the way up is, is through recruiting. And the way up is through, and, that, and that's why, so you have to show, yes, you have to show the recruits the signs, uh, but you got to get the right people first and foremost. And, and, and that's twofold as I've, I've, you know, learning as a head coach, I mean, that's the right people on your staff. Um, 
that can sell a vision uh, and that can connect with recruits and, and, and convince them that they'll look after them, take care of them and, and, and help them maximize their potential. And then, you know, then you got to make sure that the systems are in place, whether it's schematically or developmentally uh, in your program that the players want to be around. And uh, because this year with the unique challenges we had in recruiting this year through a pandemic, I think that was true this year more than ever. When you took over as head coach, obviously you had three years under Mark Rick, you, you recruited, you are, you're a Miami guy, you're familiar with the area, but everyone likes to do their own thing. So what was your vision for how the Manny Diaz Miami Hurricanes were going to recruit? Well, yeah, if you remember when, when I got the job, you know, obviously, you know, we had to get, you know, we had to get our offense together. We had to get, we had to get our recruiting off uh, efforts together. We had to get our, our weight room together. Those are really the three places I felt like we had to pour into immediately. And, you know, we recruited well, uh, when Coach Rick was here, we had some really good classes. But in the modern way of doing things, you know, we were a little outmanned, and and the recruiting had changed. Uh, we had a really talented recruiting staff here, uh, but our recruiting staff here was probably more in the NFL model of of evaluation. And those guys did a really good job of that. But our issue was not in terms of player evaluation. It all recruiting always starts with player evaluation, though. The worst thing you can have is is bad evaluators and good recruiters because then you'll have a team of a staff of guys that are really good at getting average players. Um, so you, you have to evaluate first, but I felt like as a staff, we were doing a good job evaluating what we were struggling with is we were struggling at certain spots of player acquisition, which is actually being able to land and close the deal. So I felt like as, as either building a staff and then, and, and when I say staff, not just the on the field coaches, but we had to build a recruiting department similar to what we were seeing across the teams that we compete with um, year in, year out on, on recruiting, especially in our backyard. We had to get some recruiters in this building and some people that had some connections with our community that we could really make this a, a, a team effort instead of saying, oh, only this one guy, you know, um, this one coach is responsible for recruiting his position. It, it's that's, that's not as a head coach, that's not something I want to take a chance on. I, I, I think it's something where there should be a more broad-based approach where we have, um, more points of contact with every player that we're recruiting. So you're talking about your personnel department, right? Led by Andy Vaughn, David Cooney, Demarcus Van Dyke, Edwin Pata, Brooke Wilson. David and Demarcus and, and Edwin are all local guys, right? And they're all football guys. So their role in recruiting, right, versus maybe scouting. They, they can help out on the evaluation, but you got to have multiple people that, that can have a connection with the players. You know, and even it wasn't the case this year because we lost the unofficial visit. But, you know, so often you know, you'll have players come to your practice. Well, the coaches during practice are all coaching. So the players are standing on the sideline or their parents are standing on the sideline with somebody, you know, and that somebody is really as a great audience right there, a captive audience of saying, here's how we can really sell Miami. And if that somebody is not someone who they can connect with, that what a wasted opportunity that is. So that's that's one example in a normal year. And then in a non-normal year, I mean, we, we basically did the majority of our recruiting through a glass screen. Um, and so you got to have people who can, who can connect through, you know, a glass screen. Cause the one great thing about this year of recruiting is because of the dead period, we all played on a level on a more level playing field than maybe ever before. Certainly in the past 15 to 20 years recruiting, as we've talked about Josh in the past, it's not even the same sport as it was when Miami hung those banners um, behind me in the indoor, it's just not even recognizable to what it was in the eighties, nineties, the, the players in South Florida who, would be hidden gems and not get an offer until January of their senior year. That that was literally the game, even as late as 2001. And I know because I was at Florida State and NC State recruiting against Miami. And there would, there, there would be guys that didn't get an offer until seven days before signing day or the weekend before signing day. Could you imagine that now? I mean, that, that's, that's, that's almost absurd to think about. You're talking about 
you know, just 20 years ago. So with things changing so much, and then all of a sudden, wham, everybody, no unofficial visits, no official visits, no in-home visits, no in-school evaluations. Everybody in the college football world has one thing, a phone. What do you do with it? What do you connect? Everybody discovered Zoom, FaceTime, go. And I give a lot of credit for our staff for winning with those parameters. You were always been a big fit guy, the person as opposed to the personality, right? And the ability to connect. So speaking to all that, how important was just the purity of the people that you've put together on your staff? Because that is what is coming through this box. I think that's what showed up. And, and, I, and I noticed that because obviously we had new coaches on our staff that I was learning, you know, who they are the same way the recruits were through FaceTimes and Zooms in the spring. And seeing their ability to connect in addition to the guys we already had on the staff uh, was massive. I've told recruits and parents all the time, trust people, not things, because facilities are nice. They're important. We have to have them. It shows a commitment to the student athlete. But when you go to college, you know, if you got problems in life, you can't sit there and talk to a building about your problems. You, you got to have people that you can talk to. We have, we have trended in college football to everything being about wowing a prospect on that 48 hour visit, which again is so different than the way things were when Miami was recruiting the first time. And as you know, a lot of places can look really nice for a weekend, but you wouldn't want to live there. You know, I would say recruiting is not like dating. It's not like getting married. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of men and women out there who would be really fun to be with for 48 hours, but you wouldn't want to put a ring on their finger. Right. You know I mean? That's just, that's just, <laughs> that's just how it goes, you know? And so I do think that there have been prospects who have, who have fallen for the trap of that, you know, you go somewhere and everybody puts their best foot forward on a weekend and look at this shiny place and we take you to this shiny restaurant and wow, this would be what life is like here all the time. And of course we know that that's not the way it is in reality. So with all that stripped away, uh, it had to be people first this year. And I'm not sure that's not a bad, uh, a, a good thing at the end of the day. There's one person I want to talk to you about, because you talked about how, how recruiting has been reshaped and I've lived in this world. Obviously you've lived in this world. So, so, you know, we're aware of it. I'm not sure how much the, I'm, I'm sure there are people who follow recruiting are aware of it, but if you're really on the inside, you have your graphic designer, Dominique. But as you, as you redefined and reshaped your department, you talked about the phone. There's a lot of recruiting that happens on the phone, and there's a lot of stuff that has happened in the digital space because me and you are the same age. We use the phone a lot, but the, the, the generation of kids you're recruiting, this is all they know, right? So your ability to connect with them socially, how much did that factor into when you took over the head job? We got we to gotta win in this area as well. Dominique is, um, yeah, she, she was, she's been a valuable asset to our program this year changed us. Uh, we, 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 we were, again, it was a place where we were outgunned and I'll be very honest. She, she does the work of, of more than one person because we're, we're, we're still outmanned in that department, but she's so valuable. She counts as more than one. She really does. And, and to your point, you know, your, your, your digital presentation is now almost the front doorstep of your program because, you know, kids will see that a lot more than, than they'll see you know, then they'll actually get onto your campus and everything is a competition. I mean, that's basically it. Everybody is trying hard to win in college football. Now you just see it. Uh, you've got the teams at the top. They're not interested in going anywhere. You have a lot of teams that are chasing them very, very hard. And that's another thing that's just different than what it was 20 years ago. You have what we would determine as mid-level, almost never even competed for anything teams in our conference and the SEC, you know, whatever, with just extraordinary expenditures and staffing and, and, and facilities for programs that, you know, I, I think from, from Miami's eyes to say, well, gosh, like we're not even on their level. We've all, but, but guess what? 
they, they're, they're blowing it out in terms of what they can show recruits. And so everything is a competition and, and, you know, schools make a mistake that they can stack their arms and say, yeah, but they don't have the tradition that we have. And that's awesome. But I'm just telling you, when you're 18 years old, you're, they're, they're just not super interested in what happened, you know, five years ago, let alone 25 years ago. So staying current uh, is very important. I think Dominique was a big part of that in our program. Yeah, it's weird. It's funny. It's like when you do movie references, right? Like for us, we go back 20 years and then you're like, they probably have no idea what we're talking. Music, all of it, right? It's just, it's what we know, right? But it's not what they know. Well, that's a failure, failure of our educational system. I mean, to me, like they should show Fletch in every school. I mean, that should be like, that should be like a, that should be like a class. You know, yeah. you can't get past eleventh grade without watching Fletch. So it's. Just- I got to go back and watch that. That's uh, there's some good stuff in there. The building of the program, right? Not getting stuck in one game, and you mentioned earlier having to call recruits and the negativity that's out there, but having to build the program over multiple years. What was your approach for that? And where, you know, we're sort of where we are and where you're, and as you always say, where you're going and how the 21 class fits into that. Well, there's two things that, that can be true at once. At Miami, because of the expectations that we have, we feel like we should be able to compete for championships every year. And that can be true. And, and that's why, whether it was the way that we utilized the portal starting in 2019, uh, we wanted to build a team that we thought would have a chance to compete for championships in 2019. Was 2019... 2019, a national championship team? No. Was it an ACC championship team? No. Could it have competed for the Coastal? Absolutely. It well documented some of the insane things that happened to us in games that year. You know, you put Jose Borgales on the team, that team might have won nine games. As crazy as that sounds, right? And, and might have won the Coastal. So, so what I'm saying is this, is that there's never an expectation of like, hey, whatever, we're fine with mediocrity. We feel like we have a chance to compete every year. However, if you've ever you know, built a business. And certainly I study that a lot or studied again, college ball programs and how they've been built. There's just a problem to do things. Um, and, and it is easy to think that it's a snap of the fingers and it happens overnight. And it just, it just doesn't happen that way. I think again, in this town, um, just going back to, to my childhood and yours, I mean, Miami came so out of the blue in 83 you know, and it, it felt out of the blue, even though it wasn't, there were things that coach Nellenberger was doing to get it to that point, but there had rarely been a program that just go from being so far on the outside of the college ball world and just crashing the scene. Like that's it, almost unheard of. You really can't find another same as example as what Miami did in the eighties. And then obviously the decade of dominance that followed that it's, it's, I mean, that's, that's extraordinary in our league. We have a, a, an example. We, everyone understands in our league that we're all chasing Clemson. And if you look at how they built their program, it took eight years for them to win their national championship. That doesn't mean it has to take eight. Doesn't mean that they didn't want to win it really badly before. But the first thing you got to do is you got to start stacking recruiting classes. And they're not always going to be, if you even look at the history of Clemson as an example, they're not always going to be necessarily instantly the number one recruiting class in the country, whatever that means anyway. But you start getting the right guys in there, you start improving your football team, and then all of a sudden you start to add a couple of the dynamic difference makers, which every great team ultimately has. There's a whole building with rafters of those guys up hanging from here behind me. And those are the guys that make the plays in the big time games, you know, and again, you use Clemson as an example, when they got uh, Taj Boyd at quarterback, that kind of set them on a different path. And ultimately that became Deshaun Watson, you know, when you watch Clemson in their first national championship game, there's not a play where they block Alabama on defense. Like there's not a play. 
and Deshaun Watson just runs around and makes things happen. And the whole football team believes that they can win because of him. And, you know, they play great defense and so on and so forth, you know, and then they, or they add, and they add a big time wide receiver, You're, you know, and, and, and so these are the things on terms of how, you know, you set, you set a foundation through your recruiting and then ultimately you get those difference makers into your program. And those are the guys that carry you through. You got to have somebody, you know, use like a basketball reference. You got, you got guys that can score in the first, second and third quarter, but you got to have somebody when the game goes into a half court game at the end of the, at the end of regulation that can, make a shot whenever he knows he's making a shot. And, uh, and, that's, and that's what we're building to. I know you're not a big star guy. That being said, you just touched on it. Elite programs have elite talent. And when you look at this class from a ranking standpoint, right, two elite guys, right, James uh, Williams and, and LT, the impact of infusing that kind of talent to your roster, to what you just spoke about, how impactful is that? Well, I think that's huge. Uh, what I like about uh, James and LT both is – guys can be given that elite status because of their measurables. Um, because there are some guys like, like to be quite honest, if, if we did recruiting all over again, Greg Rousseau really is a five-star recruiter. Correct. I don't care what anybody says. I mean, there's just not very many Greg Rousseau's walking the earth. If anybody saw him walk up very similar to Jalen Phillips, right? Jalen was a five-star recruit. He played like a five-star recruit for us this year. Greg Rousseau is a five-star recruit. The, the system couldn't recognize that. James and LT are certainly physically blessed enough to be considered elite recruits to that point, which a lot of times that's really what it comes down to at that level. You know, when you, when you start talking about from the rankings, it's really just comes down to some things that just honestly God gave them um, that others just simply don't have. That's a DNA lottery. What I love about those two guys is that they played like it. If you watch Miami Palmetto play this year, if you watch Plantation American Heritage play this year, if you just came to the, to the ballpark and said, you know, let me just, I don't even want to know what player it is. I've heard that there's a guy on this team that might be what a five-star recruit looks like. And I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll sit here and I'll put my arms folded and I'll try and pick him out. It would not have taken me very long to find Leonard Taylor and, and for certain James Williams, not just because of what they look like physically, but those guys played great. And they, I think they played their best this year, which a lot of times guys may not do. They already kind of have what they want. They're already, you know, been through the circuit you know they've got the this and that and the other and those guys have been amazing players their senior year leading both teams deep into the playoffs so that to me is what it's about and that's what's fun to add those type guys into our program from this standpoint manny that's two in this class if we just go by the rankings right if we do this over a three to four year cycle right what that does to your roster if there's eight of them 10 of them 12 of them as we talk about what you're trying to accomplish that's the the plan i presume right i mean when and i guess from the standpoint of how you said the, because of their level of talent, the difference they can make on the field. And maybe, you know, you d do me this, you know, this is an audio medium. So maybe paint me a word picture. When you envision Leonard Taylor at defensive tackle, when you envision James Williams at safety. Well, let me, let me, let me say this first. When you mentioned adding those guys year by year, that's a, that's not the goal. That's the byproduct of the process of recruiting. Because again, when we first offered Leonard Taylor, he wasn't a five-star and hardly, and no one else knew about him. And we did not offer him because we said, aha, here's our five-star that we've identified for this class. And then let's recruit him thusly. We saw a, a guy who had a chance to be a special talent at a young age here in South Florida and then got on him. And then that guy, the system bestowed five stars upon him. James Williams was unique because he was just obviously, <laughs> he just didn't look like a ninth grader when he was in ninth grade, but but again, like, like, you know, our efforts started before, and that, that to me is more the process. So to your point, 
yeah, it may end up where you have a couple of those type guys in your class every year. And I think the way that that happens is to not wait. We That's what happens all the time down here. We get on them early and then the other schools wait until they find out they can play and then they try to come in and, and sway them and, and, and woo them. So it's, that's why it is such a, a long effort and something we've gotten better and better at every year that I've been here at Miami. Visually to me, what I imagine is when I think of Leonard Taylor, I think of always, when I, I mean, I can't ever separate the University of Miami with the 4-3 defense. And the whole key to the 4-3 defense is, you know, the defense tackle play. And that that's the memory I have. So as any Hurricane fan, you know, if you just remember the, you know, going back to the OU games in the 80s, you know, just those inside guys, athletic, could run things down, take over a game, because those are the two guys on the field that line up the closest to the football on every play. So it only makes sense that in defense, those guys are as important as anybody else out there. And then James, such flexibility because, you know, he's obviously so big. He can, he can blitz. He can play deep. He can play, you know, he's, you know, um, he can do so many different things and just has such great instincts. If you watch Heritage this year, blocking kicks, um, making big plays in the backfield, making big plays down the field. So, uh, so many ways that a guy like James can make a play to take over a game. And, and uh, so I just think, you know, both guys will be fun to get in the program and, to, and to incorporate into, into our defense. So let me, let me let me tweak the question then. So maybe maybe the approach would be this way. So maybe it's more along the lines of forget the stars. It's the local kids, right? The, the big time local kids that this area is known for. I'm not sure there's a fence that can be built anymore, right? But keeping more than the past. And we've known what has happened in the past. There's you could just you know make a list, make a list, make a list of guys. So maybe it's more so Leonard and James represent maybe maybe looking at through that lens instead, right? That, that you, and in this class as well, right? I think, what, all, all but two are local guys? Yeah, it feels like three things happening at once. You know, one, you, 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 put, the, you put the schemes together that the kids want to come play in, you know, and, and, and not, just, not just the X and O scheme, but even just what you're doing developmentally, the program, you know, that type of thing. You got to have something the kids want to be a part of. We'd be getting better at that. Then you got to have the connection, the, the personal connection, getting the right people in the building the kids want to, you know, play for the parents trust to, to send their sons to come play for us. The added element, though, which is super important as well, is that now once you've created the behavior that, hey, I'm a big time guy from South Florida and I can stay home, uh, which, again, we, we remember when that used to be what happened. The kick on effect from that could be telling for years to come now. And that doesn't, again, guarantee that they're all going to come down the road. But finally, because again, we battled it for so long, like, oh, if you're, if you're all this and all that, you don't go to Miami. And so to see, you know, again, I've, and I've mentioned this before, but if I'm in eighth grade right now, if I'm in ninth grade, I know who Leonard Taylor is. And I know who James Williams is. I know who Romello Brinson is. I know who Lawrence Seymour is. I mean, I know these guys. Uh, I look up to them. You know, I'm the guy that, I'm the little kid that's holding the chains at, at, the, at the varsity game. And that kid, he doesn't even realize, but he's going to be a big time guy in three years. He doesn't even know it right, right now. And uh, he may know it on the little league level, on the you know, on the youth football level in this in this county, and seeing people who they look up to um, pick Miami, all of a sudden makes it not taboo anymore, and we can do this. And now watching those guys come in and have success on the field, I mean, even just the 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 the, the, the advances we've made offensively this year, and seeing, you know, Mike Harley, Mike Harley. Uh, you know, the, the numbers he put up and, and Mark Pope having his best season and, and just, you know, different guys like that Cheney and Knight in a year ago, you know, if we can finally get them in a full off season program and, and, and get them firing, you know what I mean? Just that, that to me is what, that's what the, the kids want to see. They want to see themselves in the future. And then they want, they want to mimic that. 
you, you must have my notes or something because every, you've touched on everything I want to talk about because this is this is one of the things which was and and I noted this in my head during the season right with, with coach Lashley and Likens and the changes you made on offense right you've always had guys interested in Miami with you know did they make the commitment who knows and I thought what Rhett Lashley helped you with as much as winning was you can now tell whether it's these guys or the next guys in 22 or 23 hey, here's who we are as people, right? Here, we're in Miami. We have this tradition. Here's who we are. But here's now what you can see what we do. They can see the games, right? They can see the offense. And it's, you don't have to tell them anymore. You just show them. You know, as, as a head coach, you know, like we all should be like, right, I'm learning every year. And, you know, one thing that, that I have known in recruiting is that when you watch them on film, you have an idea, you know, you get to meet them really not until you get them on your campus and kind of go to battle with them, do you really know kind of who you have, right? I mean, you, you can know what they do. You don't really know who, what you really have until you really kind of lock arms and kind of get in the foxhole together. Right? Not to use the cliches, but it's still true. In coaching, that's true as well. So to your point, you know, I knew when we hired Rhett, what we would have offensively. And I knew that that would play well, right? So in theory, yes. I mean, that's an easy connection to make. What I didn't know, uh, you don't really still know what you're getting in terms of their ability to connect with recruits other than just saying, Hey, we run these plays and you'll want to run these plays. I mean, that that's easy. But the reality is that's not enough because a lot of people run those plays. A lot of people run sped offenses. What makes us unique and still what makes unique is, is a connection. So, so red, uh, it was the same thing was true with Rob Likens, you know, and, and, and Garen justice. And I'm just using them as examples because they're, you know, Stephen Field was phenomenal for us recruiting this year, but guys, and so it's for me, I mean, I was on those Zooms and I was on those FaceTimes sitting there saying, wow, like, look at our staff. They're not just saying, hey, look, we're gonna throw it deep. I mean, in recruiting, anybody can say that, but they were, they were connecting with guys and players were saying, I wanna come play for you, not just because you're running the spread, because, but I want you to be my coach. And that's ultimately what recruiting should and always be about. Well, I'll be a cheap promotion here on my part, but the, the episode that precedes you with Rhett Lashley, I would, I would encourage most people, if they want to know the person, right, if they, want to, if they really want to know what you just talked about, he, was, he, he did it, you know, he did an hour with us and, and, and you, would, you would, that point would be hammered home. You, you, would, you would be fully embraced of, of Coach Lashley just by getting to hear his story. He, he, he was really good. I will say this to, 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 to segue right here. Uh, Rob Likens, his gift game was strong, as was yours in recruiting. His uh, Dwayne Wade three and, and your cherry on top. I, I know that's not what you want to be known for, but I want to say commend you on, on, your, on your Twitter gift work. It's, it's a skill, but yeah, if that, that, can't be our, that can't be our best skill, but it's, 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 it's down the road somewhere to the top 20. Others receiving votes. <laughs> well, hey, look, you said you're competing at everything, so you might as well, you might as well be ranked there as well. Manny, you, t- you talk about uh, Rhett Lashley and the offensive staff fit over scheme you know, just their person i mean scheme obviously was important but just fit personality whether it's recruiting whether it's interacting with your current team uh your, the, the current staff and i want to get into a, a quick little discussion just about fit in general uh, as it relates to to recruiting and maybe even just fit overall in terms of your program philosophy only from this standpoint having been someone who's had to hire people before fit is a unique trait that is hard to grasp you can pass the interview test you can give all the answers but do you really know the person how do you go about decoding fit right obviously you've talked a lot about establishing relationships and knowing guys for four years so that helps but it's one thing to know if a guy's good it's another one to know if a guy fits and that might be just as important 
So how do you go about decoding that? Yeah, I, I mean, as you mentioned, in any line of work, I, I don't know that there's a, oh yeah, you just plug it into this. I wish there was, I would have been, I might've been a lot more successful in some prior careers. <laughs> yeah, I think all of us would have had made a lot less mistakes. You know, I do think at times you have to rely on the opinions of people who have, you know, had previous contacts with those uh, people you're talking about, players or, or coaches. Um, and, you know, real, not just um, recommendations, but real like, oh, yeah, like, I mean, people, you know, really get it, you know, that can tell you more boots on the ground type stories. And then you, you still don't know, right? You still, you still got to, you know, kind of get in there together and find out really what you have. No, and then by the way, it's important for the boss and the leader to be who they say they are as well. So, you know, I've got to, I've got to continue to do a better job every year of defining who we are and, and, and the culture and all those type of things. Who are the good fits? Like if you were looking, if you were talking to someone, I'm not who, and I don't mean that uh, individually, but if you were, if you were to sort of, if you had a list, right, of characteristics that you value, these are the fits for the program. I'm developing this culture. What are some of those traits that you're looking for? As you, as you're either asking people, relying on people, getting to know people, you value what in terms of, of, of the non-skill set part that goes with being a Miami Hurricane? From a player standpoint, well, what you really want is passion. I think that's so important. And, and, and then passion for Miami is important as well. And what I mean by that is to accomplish anything great, it's really hard, right? Because everybody's trying to do it at once, right? So you can be good at something, but if you're not really passionate about it, and there are plenty of people in, in all walks of life that are talented at a thing that they don't really inherently love. Now, they can love the things that come with that thing, the paycheck that comes with it, the status, the notoriety, fame, all those type of things, but they may not be necessarily in love with that thing. And I think that's what happens. I think that's what you see in, 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 in college ball. And I'm sure the same is true in the NFL and in all sports. You know, at some point, you're going to run out of the juice you get from those outside you know, accolades is not going to be enough. And it's going to leave you, you know, I mean, as you know, I mean, and everybody wants to make more money. But no, that's ultimately not the motivation. That's not what's going to make you do the, the dirty work, the hard, the hard work when no one's watching and no one's cheering for you. So you got to have, you got to have a passion. And you have, and then when I talk about the Miami piece, you know, I, I think also to be really good at anything, you have to have some belief that there is something that exists that's bigger than yourself, right? If if you think the thing exists for you to to be there and for you to exist, then then that's really backwards. You know, I, I think you've got to have to buy in. This is why people join teams, this is why they join gangs, this is why they join churches, this is why they join clubs, because I think we we are going back to, you know, way back prehistoric times, right? We're, you know, we, we are, we're, we're tribal creatures, right? We want to fit in, we want to belong, and we got to believe that there's something greater than us, right? Because we think we're all there is, and recruiting very often tells you, you're all you, you all that, you're all that there is, right? I mean, all, all you need is just you, and and, and, you know, and, and you've got all this. And, and so I think that's a big challenge is that how can you incorporate a guy into a thing where like, you know, instead of, you know, in, in, in recruiting, we say all the time, like, well, you know, you come here, we're going to put you in this system and develop you here and academically this and so on and that. But, you know, and we are, we're going to do all those things for these guys. And, 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 and then they show up. And the real question is, what are you going to do for Miami? Right. Or what you can do for any other program, you know, and it's, it's like, wait, that wasn't on the brochure. Well, I mean, for any great team to exist, you have to have a bunch of guys that think that that's how it has to go. And I think that's what made our team this year better. 
And I thought that I thought that's why they were special with all the adversity that they had to go through, you know, with everything going on in 2020, is because they at, at some point they realized we've had a cycle here at Miami that if we are only for ourselves, we only go so far, right? You know, it's you, know, you want to go faster, go along, go further, go with the group, right? And 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 I think we've learned that if you, you your individual goals are good and your individual wants and desires are they're not inherently bad things, but they they will only occur to a certain level unless you dedicate yourself to the team. So you're looking for feedback in their high school coaches, a lot of times the programs they come from, uh, how accustomed they are to winning and just doing things other than just saying, I'm the man, you know, and it's all about me. All right. So we'll continue with the fit conversation and we'll talk about your quarterback, Mr. Jake Garcia, but we'll start with this because David Cooney said something about the this workout. Was it the Paradise Camp? I assume it was Paradise Camp. Was it whatever last summer, right? The workout that the video that wowed everyone, but he said, you don't smile too much during those workouts, but after that workout, you were smiling and said that might be the one. So how good was the workout? The workout was really good. I mean, I mean, you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not the, the, the quarterback guru expert, but, you know, my, I made my career by knocking them down, right? Intercepting their passes, you know, is, is getting defense. But you know how important kind of, they are, my friend. You know how important they are. A lot more fun to be a head coach with, with a quarterback than without. I know that for sure. I'll tell you, what you also see in a workout that day is not just you know, wow, he can rip this throw or whatever. It's just who a person is and how he interacts with others, right? Because on film, you know, you know, film, you can, you can go on anybody's huddle highlight. They have fans can do that. And you can watch every throw and every play and scramble run, whatever. Uh, we can all see that. What you don't see is the interaction with, with the others. We had a lot of great recruits in that day uh, during that Paradise Camp when Jake was here. And, and, and the way that guys were drawn to him you know, because here, here comes quarterback from cross country, kind of looks like he's out of central casting, you know what I mean, of somebody that they would script in Hollywood to play a quarterback in the movie. I think they'd script Jake. But people can be dubious of that, too. It's like, ah, who's, you know, who, who's this guy? And then if you look beyond that work, you know, beyond that day, look at what Jake did this year. I mean, he went across the country when they basically canceled football in California and went to two different, I mean, Big, big time programs in the state of Georgia. I mean, not him just go find a team that was like had a help wanted sign out front for a quarterback. He went to two big time places where you already had a team that was set, offseason workouts, you know, so on and so forth. And all of a sudden he shows up, and, you, know, you know, he's and he's living in Valdosta, you know, you, you know, you know give me their quarterback. And all of a sudden he's ineligible there, ends up at Grayson, and they're already midway through the season. So to walk in, I mean, number one, just think of the courage just to walk in that locker room and say, hey, I'm the new guy. I mean, not like I'm the new guy in April. I'm the new guy in October. And by the way, I'm going to now be your quarterback. That, that is remarkable. And to get a locker room of guys to, to follow them and to play and, and to accept that, you got to have something really, really special uh, about you. So I, I think that those are some of the things I saw at that workout with Jake in, in addition to be able to launch a forward pass. It's just this guy has a little bit of that it factor that, that others want to want to get behind. I don't want to I don't want to make this, you know, the declaration before he's even stepped foot on campus. But I think you mentioned it here. We've talked about it before. Right. When you find the guy at that position, right, what that can be for your program and whether that's the coming back for another year, if it's Tyler Van Dyke or if it's uh, or if it's Jake or whoever it is. Right. Like when you find the guy at that position. Right. You've talked about it with the Sean at Clemson. We've talked about Jameis at Florida State. Right. Just what that can do for the evolution of what you're what you're trying to do. Well, what we have seen this year is that when the team has belief and trust in the quarterback, it's a different deal. And and again, you know, we 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 had that with the Eric this year. 
We do think TVD is, is, has that, that in him as well. It just, without it, there's just always something missing. There's just no position like it in all, in all of sports. Um, you know, not only are you the guy that touches the ball in every play, but, you know, you're the guy that, you know, 10 other guys just to function at their best have to believe that you can do your job with excellence. So that, that intangible part of how you work and how you do everything off the field and understanding that, like, you, you are always being evaluated. Very similar to being a head coach. You are never not on the job. You are always being watched by somebody in the program. They're watching your nonverbals after a bad play. The camera doesn't follow you know, the right guard around like it does the quarterback or, you know, on the bench after a pick, you know, I mean, it's, it's going to watch your nonverbals. It, it just does. It's just how it is. And you, you've got to be born into that. And, and, and it's hard. You know, some guys do mature into it. I'm not saying you always have it, you know, the second you walk onto a college campus, but, uh, and then, oh, by the way, look at, at UM, right. I mean, there was a time when we popped our chest out and said, we're QBU. I mean, the expectations of playing quarterback this year, it's real. And that's okay. I mean, that's, I think that's the, the school you want to play quarterback at, but, uh, but, you know, this is this is a pro style city, you know, pro meaning from a fan base. And and uh, and there's certainly an expectation of whoever is uh, behind center for Miami. Quick segue off of recruiting and then we'll get jump back in just because of this real quickly on a follow up on the I, I think as a coach, right, whether it's, you're the D.C. and you had, you know, Shaq Quarterman, you're whoever leaders, the leaders were of your defense. Right. And that, you know, that you need leadership in a, a certain position group or even for the team. But. Once you get it with the Eric King, like, was it instantaneous? Like, yep, that is exactly what we were missing. And I'm so happy we have it. Not instantaneous as if like, not like day one, he walked in and all of a sudden it was just different. And that's not the way that Derek really operates. Um, Derek just kind of came in. He, he's, he's got a, such a calm demeanor about him, you know, just very, you know, walks very confidently, but without being cocky and brash and does a great job to me of connecting in small groups, you know, he, you know, he can talk to the team if that's if that's needed, but but you know I don't I don't remember the you know the 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 Hollywood getting on the podium you know like waving the flag like you know here's what we got to do you know we'll storm the mountain you know like but Derek's the one that you might see you know one on one with a defensive lineman you know one on one with a wideout one on one with a with a left tackle just you're like I wonder what they're talking about you know and and uh, and so I, I think that's more a lot, a lot of touch points maybe more a lot of you know, more tan so. maybe not instantaneous boom but instantaneous tangible. In terms of touch points, it's a lot harder to make. It's a lot harder to make a movie like that, right? Because there's too many scenes. You know, it's 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 more dull than the the big speech, like win one for the Gipper. But in reality, it makes a lot more impact. But I think the, 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 to that point, though, that's his authentic way to lead. Some guys are different, but I think that's worked worked for him and for us. All right, so back to the recruiting. Let's look at the wide receiver groups, and we're going to segue off the off the quarterbacks. And in the last two recruiting classes. I think we've got seven receivers that have come in and you brought three in this class and uh, you just look across college football. You know how the sport is, whether decoding offenses or trying to embellish the offense you have, what you've done in the last two years and then specifically what you did in 21, what they can do for you and how they fit into where college football is going. Well, it is, it is becoming a wide receiver game. Uh, The, the advent of the RPO. It's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. I mean, I mean, (laughs) you, 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 you're going to have to either play a very, very soft vanilla coverage and, and, and just get beaten up underneath, or you have to play man, you know, or you're not going to be able to stop the run. I mean, it's, it's, there's really basically three choices defensively. You know, you can, you can mix between the two and di- different arrangements. That's kind of what the game's become. And the best teams, like including us, we're, we're going to play man and, and everybody that, you know, usually at the top of the country is going to play man to man. And you've got to have, you simply have to have a guy that can beat man coverage. And when you do, 
the cool thing about it is there's not a whole lot of choices you can play other than just, you know, again, getting going back to getting beat up in zone or not stopping the run. And you see the same thing going on in the National Football League. So uh, we saw signs of that this year with with our with our offense, some of the things that, that came in. So I think the three guys that we've added, I, I think it was cool. I think they all have a little bit of a unique skill set between the three of them. Romello Brinson, I think off off the bat, is the guy that's going to concern the defense coordinator blowing the top off the coverage. You know, I mean, he he is the outside receiver that if there is a one-on-one, you got to be careful leaving your outside corner because there's a lot of grass out there and whether it's on goes or posts or, or whatever can hit you down the field. Now, it can also make small gains into large gains, but, you know, but just that threat. You know, we were such a better offense in the games later in the year when we became a threat to throw the ball down the field. Rashard Smith is your slot. You know, that's the guy that can work over the middle of the field, catch the little screen, make plays like that. But to me, the coolest thing, I've been around a few players that to me remind me of Brashard that have a knack. Uh, and maybe most people listening, maybe their favorite team, they can think of a guy similar to this, that just somewhere in the game, everyone remembers a guy that catches the 50-yard bomb, the 80-yard bomb or whatever. Brashard can do those things. But Brashard, it's, it is going to be third and 12. And quarterback's going to drop back and no one's going to be open. And suddenly he's going to just, right before he gets sacked, he's going to throw the ball to Brashard. And Brashard's going to have the ball like with eight more yards a game for the first down, right? Let's say he's a check down underneath, whatever. And there's going to be like four defenders converging on him. And somehow, some way, Brashard's going to gain nine yards on that play. It's not the touchdown. And then you'll you'll go score later in that drive or whatever. And, and that's the play that won you the game. And to me, I've seen him do that so many times in high school at Palmetto where uh, not to mention the fact he had to play quarterback for them in the playoffs because of injury, um, but just making some biz- e- e- extreme play, not a, you know, I mean, he's got long runs and all that type of stuff, but just something where he gets out of a trouble with this, with this, you know, acceleration and short yard quickness that just, you know, it's a game winner. I, I call Burchard a game winner. And then Jacoby George came to a camp here two summers ago and, and, and just, I mean, tore the whole thing up. There was no one here that could cover him, just great ball skills. So again, can 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 factor in a lot of different ways. So we think all three of those guys uh, will add a lot to what we're doing on offense. You look at that room, right? You look at your running back room. You look at what's happening in your offensive line room on that side of the football. And now, obviously, we just talked about the wide receiver room and even the court. Right? Your rooms are probably starting to look like the way you want your rooms to look, right? In terms of talent and and probably more importantly, depth. Getting closer, and and I but I think the, the second part is more important than even the first. And we've had talent. But you got to get talent across just that first line of the depth chart. There is no coach. There's no coach like competition. And, you know, everybody talks about the stories of the way things were here in the past, you know, and, you know, we, we've got Ed Reed right on the corner down the hall and he just talked about having Sean Taylor behind him on the bench. I mean, you just, if you don't have that threat, look, it's all, it's human nature, right? I mean, with all of us, you know, and, and if there's not some of that threat, you will have some people in life that will be just intrinsically motivated to just like excel regardless of, of that, but most of us need a push. And so having competition is the ultimate push. Your offensive line, the three guys you brought in, and can, uh, I'm kind of grouping 20 and 21 together a little bit because that's going to be the foundational pieces, right? You know, as, as this thing begins to accelerate. So you bring the three in last year. I mean, the three in this year, I guess three last year as well. If you count, I, I don't know how you count, want to count Isaiah Walker. I put him in last year. So that's another six, right, that infuses into that group that, if I'm not mistaken, they all come back except for one. That's right. And, and and you've signed tackles, which I think is important. You know, those are hard to, you know, manufacture, you know, and whether that's Isaiah a year ago, Jalen Rivers, 
you know, this year, Mike McLaughlin, I mean, just, just the length and, and, and the athleticism to play out there, which is so important to be able to block defensive ends. And then, you know, interior guys like Big Baby, you know, Lawrence Seymour, Ryan Rodriguez, who can play guard, but is also can handle playing center and snap, make all the calls, that type of stuff, like he did at Columbus this year. So, yeah, I think really three really good takes for us, you know, and, and I, I do, I like all of our young offensive linemen and, and, um, and I, I think Aaron Justice was really did a nice job, not just in terms of evaluation, but, but landing those guys as well. We talked earlier in this podcast about frame of reference, right? Like for us, 20 to 30 years ago, those are our guys, right? But 20 to 30 years ago, these guys weren't even around, right? Their frame of reference is completely different. So we have, the, you know, me and you and you and I and everyone else in our generation, the heyday is, is those, those where that's why, you know, coming to Miami is special, but it's still cool to me to see a guy like Lawrence Seymour just say, I still grew up and this was the dream. Yeah. And, and, and again, a guy that had to stick with the, the, the commitment for a while, others were, 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 were pounding him and coming after him. Um, and and I, I don't know that we always reward those guys on signing day with publicity, you know what I mean? As, as the late last second guy and you know, on a normal year, the hat flip at the press conference and all that. And, and, and I'm not saying those guys aren't worth it too. For, for good reason, you have embraced the tight end position, right? That room is deep. And I watched a little film on, on Arroyo. Woof. <laughs> that's, a, that's a weapon. I guess put on your defense coordinator hat, right? When you have the group that you have, the challenge, that pres- uh, the challenge it presents on the other side and, and, and how having that many weapons in that room is a boon to your offense. Yeah, I think if you're watching, if you watch the NFL and it's happening in college as well, you know, including with with our our programming, what you know, Red did with those guys this year and Stephen Field, the tight end is like that. It's like that one chess piece that is just so unique because you can. It's so flexible. It can do so many different things. You know, I mean, obviously, you 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 know, like we did this year, you can line up with two tight ends and get into more two tight end heavy sets. You can line up with two tight ends and be in spread four wide receiver sets. You know, and 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 Brantley and Arroyo both have that flexibility. They, they can run, they can run after the catch, you know, they can go deep if, if you need to go deep. So to your point of, as a defense coordinator, it, it, it becomes a lot more difficult because you can't just say, Oh, they're in this personnel. They'll be in this formation. You have to have that variance. And then, and then who's going to cover those guys. I mean, you look at some, again, some of the guys like in the NFL, like Kelsey, these guys are matchup nightmares, you know, just hard to find a guy that can cover these type guys. And, and so, yeah, I, I, I think at Miami, we should always have, I mean, I mean, I know I don't even get into the tight end you and all. I mean, it's, it's so obvious for us, but like, you know, I just think it's, it's great to have a tradition that we feel like we should always have big time tight ends rolling through Miami. The defensive side of the football, obviously Leonard Taylor and James Williams, those are the premier pieces, but like Alan Hayes, no, like you talked about before the guys that like, no one talks about Alan Hay. Like we need to talk about Alan Hay, right? They're all important pieces. You know, it's not, you know, one's no more important than the other. Well, that's exactly right, you know, and, um, and uh, you know, and Alan played at Chalmette High School up in Hollywood for Damon Jones and a disruptive guy that can make plays in the backfield. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it's great to have the two we talk about. It. There's a bunch of guys we sign on the defense side of the ball that, that we think have a chance to be really good when they get here. You've talked about what's happening in the linebacker room, reading a little bit about Troutman and his personality. So can you, can you defi- describe it? Define, like, is, he, is he one of those Miami guys? He's, he's as Miami guys that come, you know, he just was transplanted to Orlando, but, but actually played youth football down here in, in, in the Southern part of the County. So it's, it's a homecoming for him. And, and you watch, you watch Troutman play and linebacker and safety are such instinct positions. And, and you just, 
guys just feel it. And, and Trotman's film is just, it's, it's a how-to on that. His ability to do things like just stay square in the tackle box and, and read, read the run plays, understand holes and how to fit holes. But then the coolest thing is that, but then when he gets to the ball carrier, I mean, it is a loud noise. I mean, I mean, his feet do not gather on contact. He runs through contact. So I'd be excited to get him. And 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 then a guy like Tyler Johnson, who, who that's another guy no one talks about. Tyler is a silent assassin, just like his brother Jaquan. He don't say much. He talks with his shoulder pads and his face mask because he will run through you and um, kind of a terror off the edge. I think it's kind of cool to have guys like, like Tyler Johnson, Thomas Davis from Georgia, uh, an elite, elite change of direction, quickness guy. And so, you know, and, and Thomas played linebacker, Tyler played defensive end. They can, they can do a lot of different things for us, but both those guys have a great knack for turning that corner and, and running through quarterbacks. So yeah, excited. And then you've got like Jabari Ishmael, who's, who's got great length, you know, and, and had a hell of a year at, at Columbus. So yeah, a bunch of guys kind of that front seven that can, that can play a lot of different roles for us. Kind of, I was about to say, it's kind of cool. You met you know, Tyler, Jabari, even Chase Smith, right? The, the lineage, the having just yeah. the connective pieces to other players, family members that just keeps connecting the dots. I think that's pretty cool that you got three in that class. It is. And, and Chase, again, same thing, kind of a, like a big freaky athlete that can, that can help out in a lot of ways on a football field, but just has a natural knack for playing out there in space and using his long arms and doing a lot of things you kind of need a, a, a striker to do now. I was gonna say we don't think we left anyone out, but the Borgallis family will continue. That the lineage will continue, and we, I think we saw the importance of what making a kick means. Just a, just going out and making a kick. How how infused uh, with belief and confidence. You talk about Dr. King, you know the belief. I'm telling you, for me, just watching from afar this year, you marched him out after the first kick in, back, way back when. I'm like, yep, this is good. I'm good. I'm good. It's good. It feels good. And by the way, there are games you don't win without him. And, and like I said, there's a game 2019 is a lot different if we had him that year. So that's winning. You know, that's how you win, being great in special teams and, and, and what he and what he's done, what Headley's done. And to be able to add Andreas, not just in turn, and also field goals, that's also kickoff coverage, you know, getting great hang time and touchbacks on kickoff coverage. Yeah, it'll be great to get Andreas in here. And, and then actually on special teams and also, you know, on defense, you know, Malik Curtis, you know, he's got great speed at corner. I think he gives us a little bit different athlete than what we've had there in the past and also has value in the return game. You know, we, we were inconsistent this year, returning kicks. We, that's one thing we were not quite as good at a year ago, losing KJ Osborne on punt. And so to be able to add some of these young guys that potentially could also have value in, in the kick return game, I think will help our team as well. All right, last couple of things, and then I'll let you go. I know you, you talked about unpacking the North Carolina game, right? And you were just trying to put your finger on whatever. As we move into the bowl, between meeting with the players, meeting with the staff, doing the di- diagnosis, did it become any more clear? Does any more clarity shed on, on that? Well, it's like anything else. There's never just one thing. To me, what's most important is this, is that on the inside, we said, look, let's take last year as an example. We, we had some, some very bad losses at the end of the year last year, right? But because we were able to be honest in terms of what we saw uh, and what happened and some of the things that sort of sabotaged that 19 team, the 20 team could recognize that and say, okay, Let's not do that again because we know what road that that leads to. And let's correct that. And I think they did. A game like last Saturday, there are some things, okay, was there anything that we saw there that happened that we feel like we can make sure it never happens again? Knowing that the unusualness of this year and the way the season went and all the things that went into the year and the fact we were, you know, final exams and guys in intercession class. I mean, there's, 
there were so many bizarre things and, and, and no one will ever be able to, to quantify the impact that having three weeks off for coronavirus, going to play Duke, you know, where it's 45 degrees on a night game and then coming home and the, you know, it was a big moment of the game. And then obviously, but then the humidity and it, it was, it was, you know, just, there are so many things. So I, to me, internally, that's why, I, you know, we don't get into a lot of ex explanations externally. Internally, it's important that the players uh, and the coaches that we own, that we look at the things that we felt like might've caused us to perform at a, at a certain level that day. And then we seek to make sure that those things never happen again. And that could be part of what defines the 21 team. All right, Manny, last thing. And I think that maybe this year more than any other year, unless it was a national championship, you talked about the bowl game being the proper reward. And I'm not sure anyone knows, myself included, every, exactly everything that you've had to go through and your team has had to go through. But more than any other year, you've been invited to a bowl, finishing with a win. And that proper reward this year might be as significant as any other Sons winning the whole thing. Yeah, we... Um... You mentioned earlier, I think, you know, we have, we have tried to uh, look at things that before we can get to the great goals that are out there for Miami, we got to accomplish these other things that we take for granted, but for whatever reason have not occurred in this program in the last, you know, 15 years. Winning bowl games is one of them. I, like I always say, if it was so simple and easy, then it would have happened a lot more times than it's happened. Again, trying to put that challenge in front of this team, like, let, like let's finish this game the right way. Let's finish the season for each other because they've done so much for each other this year. The sacrifices, to your point, that they've made uh, this year. You know, we don't want to be defined by, by you know, the last weekend of the regular season. And, and, and let's go out and, again, beat a good football team, you know what I mean, in, 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 a, in a bowl game that we're excited to be in and give ourselves something to feel good about in the offseason. And, and then we can really refocus our goals and what we think the 21 team can accomplish. Manny, thank you for your time. Thanks for taking us behind the U. Thanks for sharing some of your insight and philosophy on, on recruiting and team building. That's the stuff I kind of really enjoy. And obviously, well, we all enjoy winning. So these guys here will be a large, a large part of that. Manny, thank you again. And thanks for coming on and, and taking us behind the U. You got it, Josh. Enjoyed it.